Welcome to the P4C Podcast. We are excited to reshare with you the last 13 years of teaching through God's Word at Passion for Christ Summit. Each week, the P4C Podcast delivers rich truths for your life, and we know you will be blessed. Our current series is from P4C 2021, Scripture, the Ultimate Authority. We now join our speaker for the conclusion of last week's message. We hope you are encouraged and challenged. That's number four. The fifth reason is we must interpret the Bible accurately with precision is simply because it is the word of God. Because it's the word of God. This is implied by the description in verse 15 where it says, the word of God. Since the Bible is the authentic word of truth, which came from God himself. It surely demands our very best in reading, interpreting, and in our obeying. Right? Say amen. Just making sure you're awake. In the beginning of every Gideon Bible, you're going to find this quote. I love this quote. I think this is spectacular. I'll read this. It says, I'm going to hold the Bible up while I say it. This book, this book, it contains the mind of God the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrine is holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be saved, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here, heaven is opened, and the gates of hell are disclosed. Christ is the grand subject. Our good, its design, and the glory of God, its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, read it frequently, and read it prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth and health to our soul. It is given to you here in this life that it would be opened at judgment and it is established forever. It involves the highest responsibility. It will reward the greatest labor and condemn all who trifle with its contents. That's fantastic, isn't it? And I pray that you are convinced that you will hold in your hand, God's word, and you will know its authority, you will know its inerrancy, and its infallibility. It's not just a historical reference. It's not just an academic activity. It's not just a moral guide. It is each of these, but it's so much more. This is the book of books, the word of God, the inerrant truth you have more access to than any other people group in the history of mankind. That's mind-boggling. I know there's some things with this where we don't know what heaven's going to be like in full, right? We have some pictures of it, and so we can draw some uh, good interpretation on what we believe we've been told from Scripture. But we've all kind of thought, what would it be like if I get to interact with Bible heroes? Or maybe I just have. I don't know if you have or not, but I have. I'm like, what's it going to be like whenever I get to stand in, in front of, like, Moses? You know, you got David, Abraham, you got all these guys, and I just want to be like, Moses sit down on this stool. I don't know what's there, but sit down here. And let me just ask you, what was it like to talk to God in a burning bush? 
I, tell me what it was like to witness miracle after miracle and all these plagues and God just kind of protected you and you just had that immense faith. Tell me what it was like to lead the Hebrews through dry land as the sea split before you. Tell me what it was like to hike through the desert. Your shoes never wore out. Food fell from the sky. Ah! How did you know where you were going? A, A pillar of fire at night? Tell me what it was like to follow that. I'm sure, I can see, I don't know what Moses is going to say, but I can see him looking at me going, man, Ben, it was bananas, and I want to tell you all about it. But first, he goes, the thing I want to hear from you before I can even get into that was, what was it like living in 2021? Brother in Christ, he said, you had the word from Genesis to Revelation. You had it in your hand. You had access to it on every tablet. You had access to it on your phone. You had it in multiple multiple variants, right? King James, New King James, NIV, ESV. You had that at your fingertips at all times. Tell me what it was like. You must have been in the word constantly. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Man, and I want to be like, yes, I was. I'm not in it as much as I want to be. I can tell you that. This is sustaining This matters. And so my prayer is that you will hold the word of God in high regard and give it the careful study that it deserves and that it demands from you. So those are five reasons from 2 Timothy 2, 14-15 why we must interpret the Bible with accuracy and precision. I trust that these reasons hopefully will help encourage you and remind you of the responsibility but also the, the sweet, sweet nectar, the pleasure that we have at our fingertips. I want to end by giving you three quick ways, three basic principles that we should use when finding ourselves working through the word. These principles, I'm not thinking that this is anything that you've not heard necessarily, but it is something that we certainly need to be reminded of and encouraging others to do the same. We understand that when we open the word of God and we willingly submit ourselves to the full authority of the scriptures and we let God's word and God's spirit move through our study, he speaks. Big things happen. And so the first thing I want you to think of is observation. Observation. Studying scripture is not a mindless activity. Christians are not ignorant. Studying the scripture is not a mindless activity. And if we're going to understand the scripture, we've got to bombard the scripture with questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Observation is when we ask questions about the content. Who wrote it? Who originally read it? Who are the main characters? What is happening in the text? What is wrong with this picture that I'm reading? What is the author saying? When is the writer When are the original readers? When is the text taking place? Where was it written? Where did the events take place? Why is the author writing this? Why is this included in scripture? Why did the events happen the way that they did? Why did the author say what he said? As you observe and you ask the questions, be patient with yourself. Be patient with the scripture. 
It's okay. In your observation, make sure you take time to meditate, to pray. Pray that it comes alive, right? It's the living word of God. Pray that his spirit would move through you as you read it and that you would feel encouraged. Pray that you would feel convicted. Pray that you would feel peace. Pray that you would feel love and kindness and patience and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Pray these things on yourself as you read. Uh, Bonhoeffer said this, just as you don't analyze the words of someone you love, but accept them as they are said to you, accept the word of scripture and ponder it in your heart. That is all. That is meditation. Joshua chapter one, verse eight. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Psalm 119.97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. As you grow in the scripture, start looking for where Christ is in the passage. You start looking for lists, start looking for patterns, start looking for causes and effects, moods, emotion, observations, individual verses, paragraphs. Uh, look, look for these in the, not just verses or paragraphs, but the entire book, right? Read the scriptures. So observation number two, interpretation. This is when we move from what the text says to what the text means, Interpretation is going to mean that we need to understand the context of a passage or a verse in order to make good interpretations. And understanding context and how it influences our interpretations is nothing new. We understand that on some base level, right? Uh, Daniel, Charles, Joe, and Micah, all friends of mine. I love these brothers in Christ. And if I were to say to them, brothers, uh, I'd love to have you guys for dinner. You know, you go look at the context and go, they go to church together. They're brothers in Christ. They're guys that enjoy being around each other. They're going out to be doves is what you're going to think. But the uh, the, the context can lead us to different interpretations if we've been on a desert island for... 10 days, and I've not eaten in five days, and I look at these men, I say, brothers, I want to have you for dinner. (laughs) All of a sudden, the context that Ben's not eating anything, and Joe's starting to look like a turkey leg when he runs around, (laughs) is starting to lead to some pretty scary interpretations, right? Right? (laughs) <laughs> but when, the con- when we understand the context, it leads in helping us understand and build good interpretations. It is important. Understanding context helps lead to good interpretations. So understand that when you read, there are cultural conditions, there are geographic conditions, there's religious conditions, there's political conditions. Ask yourself, where does this passage fit into the unfolding revelation of God in the scripture? We were talking earlier, and it is somebody had asked the question, what if you find something that you just don't know what to do with it? You know, one, say, it's okay. I don't know what to do with that. That's all right. But we talked about the illustration of a puzzle. And when we work a puzzle, I like puzzles. And so what's the first thing you work on when you get your puzzle? 
the outside border. You know it, puzzle man. So whenever we work on that, that's the first thing. I'm getting all the edges. I'm setting them aside and I'm looking at it. And then I've got all these middle pieces once I've got that done. It's like reading the entire of, entirety of scripture, Genesis to Revelation. And all of a sudden, all that Bible literacy that your mom and dad and church taught you, you know, Moses, Noah, Abraham, and all these guys in scripture, Paul, is, you, you get the picture from start to finish. You may not understand it all, but you're going, ah, I see it. I see what these guys were looking forward to. I see what these guys were looking back to. And you start to get that framework done. And you still got a lot of pieces in the middle that you don't know what is what. You got this one. You're like, it looks like a, a beach ball, belly button, eyeball. I'm not sure what I'm looking at here. So I know it matters though. So I'm going to set it right over here. And I'm going to keep working through. And I'm going to keep looking. And as I continue that, I get a bigger and a fuller picture. And I'm going, cool. I'm liking what I see. This is neat. And as you get older, that belly button piece may be still sitting there when you're 75. That's okay. But understand that it is important. It is not one that you just cast away because it is going to help fill that picture in to the fullest. So as you're studying, as I get with Charles, he may go, that's not a belly button. It's an eyeball. And it goes right here. And you're going, I didn't see that. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your help, right? Everybody loves that guy who comes in and just puts in the last piece for you of the puzzle. (laughs) You compare, when we work through scripture, it's important that as you're looking at this, you compare scripture with scripture. Good answer. We compare scripture with scripture. Use those cross-references in your Bible. The best interpreter of scripture is scripture itself. The more you study, the more you're going to be able to discern what Scripture means. Remember, a text cannot mean what it never meant. Right? A text can't mean what it never meant. Uh, uh, somebody in their talk earlier for the guys, you remember? His, uh, there was a guy who came up to our friend and he said, Hey, I've got something that I've never seen before. And nobody, I, even the church history fathers, they've just missed it. And, and Micah was like, Don't like where this is going (laughs) at all. Scripture can't mean what it never meant. So it's important that we understand that. Observation, interpretation. Anybody want to take a stab at the last one? Well done. Application. As we've just looked, interpretation asks the question, what does the text mean? Application asks, how does the meaning of this text apply to my life? And so quick five questions for you to ask. Uh, I think these are helpful. Number one, who should I be? Who should I be? Application of the text is dependent on Christ in you. So you need to ask yourself, who should I be as I'm reading this passage? As I'm reading uh, the fruits of the Spirit, Christ has those, right? And they're calling you to be this list of fruits, right? Joyful. Kindness. So who should I be? Number two, how should I think? The word of God is going to give us wisdom to teach and how to think. It's going to frame and help us in our worldview, having a Christian worldview. And so it's really important that you guys are focused on how should I think, because it'll answer that. And we know that James tells us for, uh, that God gives wisdom to all those uh, without reproach. So ask for wisdom. Uh, number three, what should I do? So maybe as you're reading the passage, there's a sin to avoid. Maybe there's a verse to memorize, maybe a promise to claim, 
uh, a prayer to repeat, a command to obey, a challenge to face. What should I do? Number four, where should I go? All scripture is intended to be understood in the context of mission. So figure out where you need to be. That doesn't mean that you're all called to Africa, right, to be missionaries, but it could. I mean, we got global encounters here, so I'm just saying there's some opportunities. You may be called to school. You may be called to share the gospel, and you are, by the way. I hate to ruin that for you, but you are called to share at your school. You are called to share at your job. You are called to share with your family. And so maybe it's not necessarily always, uh, Mom, Dad, I'm here to preach to you. But maybe it's, Mom, Dad, I'm here to honor you and to love you the way that I'm called to love you and honor your, your direction in my life because I know you love me. Where are you called? Where should I go? Number five, who will I teach? The best way to learn is to give away your knowledge to someone else. Who will I teach? This is what making disciples is all about, right? When you're making this, how many of you want to make disciples? Can I ask that? How many? Don't feel bad if you don't answer or raise your hand. I'm just curious if you want to make disciples. If you want to make disciples, you cannot disciple someone past where you are. So I'm just letting you know that. I hate to ruin or pop your bubble, but if you're here, I can't disciple. If I'm here, I can't disciple a guy who's here. I'm going to have to up my game and I'm going to have to grow in holiness and in the word and abide in the Lord, right? And so if you're ever discipling somebody, if the guy you're discipling is moving faster than you are, you better get on the ball, right? Who are you going to teach? Who will I teach? So in summarization of everything that we've talked about, we've seen the reasons why we really need to exercise precision and accuracy when we handle God's word. We looked at five reasons why we should exercise precision and accuracy. We also see three basic principles for just Bible study. I'm not sure these are things you've never heard, but they are things we need to be called back to, to remember. And my prayer for each of you, including myself, for Charles, for Daniel, for Phil, for Micah, for Pam, for anybody who speaks, my prayer is that all of us will do our best to prayerfully apply basic principles in our Bible study so that we can be approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, but one who is rightly dividing the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you now rejoicing. Father, I know we're tired, but Lord, thank you. I pray that right now you would increase our joy because of our realization, because of the reality that we have your holy word at our fingertips. And I pray we would rejoice in the fact that we have the opportunity to study, to be hearers and doers. I pray that we would not waste life. I pray that we would not peddle the gospel, peddle your scriptures. Help us to dive in, to ask questions when needed, and to be prepared to be approved unto God. Father, I pray that you convict us where we have been lazy, where we have been uh, undesirous of your word. God, I pray that this weekend would be a catalyst for change, that we would desire your word, that we would desire Jesus as Lord and Savior, and that we would look to him 
seeking joy that only he brings. God, I thank you for each and every one of these people. Spirit, I pray that you would move in a mighty way through our time. And Lord, that we would rejoice in who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have questions about P4C, visit our website at p4csummit.org. Or you can email us at info at p4csummit.org. We hope you can join us next week on the P4C podcast as we dive into a new session from Passion for Christ 2021. May God bless you as you seek to passionately live for his glory each and every day.